Welcome back to The Boy from Splendora, Texas by Wallace Gibbs. The Approaching Storm, 1980, Episode 10. 1980 continued to roll along as our family worked through the emotional punch in the stomach from both Aunt Doris and Ralph's deaths. The country was in a sour mood with the rampant inflation, high gas prices, and the ongoing hostage crisis situation in Iran, which was over 290 days old by the time school started. I was entering my freshman year in high school, Charlotte was entering her senior year, and Virgil was going to be in the seventh grade. Mama had found Wrangler jeans on sale for $9.99 a pair at the J.C. Penney's in Greenspoint Mall. So she instructed Charlotte to take me and Virgil there to get our yearly supply. I still hadn't grown during the summer and was holding steady at 5 foot 3 inches tall and a whopping 85 pounds. I was soon to find out that a lot of boys in my class had hit their growth spurts and many of them were now over six foot tall or even taller like Darwin Myers. Today is August 25th, 1980, the start of school. Charlotte drove Mama's 1977 LTD to school while Virgil and I still took the bus. I'm not sure why we did this other than it was the habit for the three of us. Mama was no longer a bus driver. She decided to stay home and help Daddy plan out a machine shop that Daddy was going to put in the barn. Also that year, Mama had persuaded Daddy to buy a 12-acre section of land near Mama's old homestead in Oakhurst, Texas, outside of Huntsville. Daddy was going to have a house built there for Mama, and the plans were that they would move there after all of us had finished school. Our new bus driver's name was Mrs. Smith. She was a nice lady and welcomed me and Virgil to the new school year. Because the ranks of the school were swelling, Splendora ISD changed the location of the bus drop-off. The high school and junior high kids were dropped off first in front of the high school building. The bus would then exit school property and make a right turn on the FM 2090 going west and then make a right turn on 1st Street, pass by Mr. Boucher's hardware store, and then make a right turn into a U-shaped driveway on the west side of the elementary school. In the afternoon, the elementary, the elementary kids were picked up first, and then the buses would drive to the high school, park in front, and await the release of the junior high school and high school classes. As bus number six pulled in front of the high school, Virgil and I got off. Virgil headed to the junior high school building and I entered the high school building. This was my second time to ever be inside the high school building. The first time was when I picked up my school schedule last week and was given a brief tour of the building. I want you to close your eyes for just a minute and let me give you a tour of the high school building. As you walk up from the parking lot where the bus dropped me off, you came to an intersection. 
If you kept walking straight, you would have the old gym building on your left, the old junior high school building on your right, then past that, you would have the new gym on your left and the Charles R. Duke Junior High School building on your right, which is where Virgil was headed. If you stood in that same spot and looked to your left, you would be looking down a covered walkway. There were three classrooms on the left separated from the main building. These classrooms were typically reserved for juniors and seniors. On your right, there were two soda machines, one for the Dr. Pepper products and one for the Coca-Cola products. Right past the soda machine was the door to the teacher's lounge, followed by two more classrooms reserved for the upperclassmen. If you turned and looked to your right, you would be staring at two doors that opened into the original Splendora High School building. When you entered the hallway, there was a trophy case on the right side and a classroom on your left. Right after the trophy case was the door to the office which housed the offices for the principal, vice principal, school secretary, and two school counselors. Past the office, there were ten old-style classrooms that were part of the original building. When Gina went to high school from 1974 to 1978, the rooms did not have air conditioning. During the fall months, as you passed the front of the high school, you could see many of the old-style push-out windows extended to their full length to let in as much ventilation as possible. During the winter months, the classrooms were heated via a large natural gas heater that hung from the ceiling. In 1977, the school district was successful in passing a school bond that allowed them to build the Charles R. Duke Junior High School, as well as add four new rooms to the end of the high school building. These rooms were numbered 100, 101, 102, and 103. They were cooled by central air and heat, while the remainder of the classrooms were cooled by window air conditioners that were part of the bond package. I went to the locker that was assigned to me, which was in the bank of lockers right past room 110, where I would have Spanish class later that morning. It's funny, in the eighth grade, I felt like I was somebody, and most people knew me. Over here, I resorted to being Charlotte's little brother, and to be perfectly honest, I was a shrimp. Most of the guys towered over me. I quickly became a nobody. The hallway was jam-packed with strangers. Occasionally, I would see one of my classmates and would awkwardly greet them in this new land. When I arrived at my locker, I was grateful to see Mike Futrell, Becky Knight, and Bridget Baker all accessing their lockers using the slip of paper we were given that contained our locker combinations. I didn't know it at the time, but these three people would be instrumental in catapulting me into the next phase of my life. Without Becky, Bridget, and Mike urging me on, I am not sure that I would have ever gone to college. I quickly dialed my locker combination opened the door and looked inside. Nothing. 
I put what little school supplies that I had in the locker, shut the door, and headed to room 101 where my first class was. My first period class was Algebra 1 with Miss Doris Snyder. Miss Snyder was an interesting person and was like, she was old, like Miss Reed, Miss Ray, and Miss Bowley from elementary school, but she had a spark that the other ladies did not have. Later on, I found out that Miss Snyder drove one of the largest production cars ever made, a 1977 Lincoln four-door town car that was light blue with a white vinyl top. The car was 233 inches long and 80 inches wide. Translated into feet, it was almost 20 feet long and six and a half inches wide, six and a half feet wide. It was a beauty and one of my dream cars. Mr. Ford had a Camaro and Miss Bacchus had a Corvette, both of which were envied by most of the boys in the school. I, on the other hand, was fascinated by Miss Snyder's land yacht. Miss Snyder had a seating chart for us and directed us to our assigned seat as we walked in the room. I was on the first seat in the third row directly in front of the teacher's desk. We were issued our textbook for the year and then given a syllabus for the first six-week period. I could tell that Miss Snyder meant business and that this was going to be a fast-paced class. Thankfully, Mike Futrell and Bridget Baker were in the class with me. The school bell rang at 9.25, indicating that first period was over. I collected my belongings and headed to my locker to drop off my algebra book. I then headed to the new gymnasium where I would have Coach Moore for P.E. As Mike and I entered the gym, Coach Moore greeted us with a clipboard in his hand and instructed us to take a seat in the bleachers on the right. The girls' coach, Miss Holt, was greeting the girls as they entered the gym and instructed them to take a seat in the bleachers on the left. All high schoolers were required to have some sort of physical activity during the day for their freshman and sophomore years. Basically, we were divided into one of three groups, band, athletics, or PE. Kids like Mike Duke, Bubba Gojohn, and Darvin Myers were in athletics. Kids like Paul Silcox and David Slade were in the band. Kids like me, Mike Futrell, and Jerry Scarborough were in PE. Most of the people that I went to school with had been a classmate of mine since the first grade. That is why it was so memorable when a new girl appeared and made quite an impression on all the males in the bleachers. Who is that? I asked Billy Smith, who was sitting on the other side of Mike Futrell. Her name is Patricia Heathcock, Billy said. She lives off Fostoria Road. Fostoria Road was on the opposite side of Highway 59 from where we lived and was right at the border of the Cleveland ISD and the Splendora ISD. Where did she come from? I asked. I'm pretty sure that she came from another state, Billy said.
Patricia was very pretty, but my heart still belonged to Becky Knight, who was also in that second period gym class. During the 1980s, as the economy worsened, people from states up north started to move to Texas. This created an ire in the state, and soon you could see bumper stickers that read, Welcome to Texas. Now go home. There's another girl that is from Ohio, Billy said. Her name is Kathleen Hudson. A whistle sounded and we all turned our attention towards Coach Moore. Men, Coach Moore started, welcome to physical education. When you arrive here every morning, I want you to go to your locker, get dressed in your gym clothes, and meet me here in the bleachers by 940. That gives you 15 minutes to get from your last class over to here, get dressed, and into the bleachers. Anyone that is late will have to run 10 laps around the gym before joining us. We all looked at Coach Moore. Do you have any questions? Coach Moore asked. Also new for this year, you'll need to shower before getting dressed. We're going to do a lot of physical activity, and in your next class, no one wants to sit next to a person that stinks. I was not expecting this. I had never been in a situation where I had to get undressed in front of anyone other than Virgil and on occasion my cousins when they came over to swim. Today I'm going to issue you a towel, a set of gym shorts, and a gym shirt, Coach Moore continued. You will leave the towels here every day and they'll be washed for you. Once a week you'll drop your gym clothes in a hamper that will be provided and these will be washed over the weekend and ready for you again on Monday. Do you have any questions? Everyone shook their heads. How many of you remember to bring a combination lock? Coach Moore asked. I raised my hand along with most of the other boys. Good. I will assign you a locker for you to keep everything in, Coach Moore instructed. I want you to line up over there and I'll call you by name. I will issue you your locker, towel, shorts, and shirt. This is going to be fun, I sarcastically said to Mike Futrell. Agreed, Mike returned. At least we only have to do this in the ninth and 10th grade. The bell rang at 1025. Mike and I headed to our third period class with Miss Walton in room 110 near my locker. When Gina was in high school, Miss Walton was known as Miss Colby. Somewhere in between me and Gina, she got married. When I first met Miss Walton, I didn't realize what an integral part of my life she would become as she guided me through my four years of high school as my Spanish one, two, three, and four teacher, as well as my government teacher. Miss Walton, like Miss Snyder, had assigned seats for us. This was my first class that was in a room that looked out over the parking lot and on to FM 2090. I stopped and took in the view as I watched cars and trucks drive slowly past the high school, making sure to observe the school zone speed limit because there was an ever-present Splendora police officer perched at one end or the other of the school zone, anxious to issue a speeding ticket. 
The weird thing about this view is that it was like looking out of an aquarium because although I couldn't hear the vehicles, I would watch them drive slowly by. Buenos dias, Miss Walton said as we settled into our assigned seat. Honestly, I didn't know what to say except good morning, which I found out later was exactly what Miss Walton was saying in Spanish. My daddy said that we are all going to die in a nuclear war if Ronald Reagan gets elected, Brenda Cater said as I sat in my seat in the very middle of the room. Brenda was in the 11th grade and my classmate, Mike Cater's older sister. She was seated in the fifth seat of six seats in the row of desks that was up against the windows. I looked to see who she was talking to and spotted Teresa Kerbowski, the older sister of my classmate, Belinda Kerbowski. We didn't talk about politics very much at our house, but I knew that both Mom and Daddy were planning to vote for Ronald Reagan. Much of the country was disgusted with how Jimmy Carter was handling the Iranian hostage crisis and the ongoing economic crisis. In July, after a very chaotic and aggressive primary season, the Republican Party nominated Ronald Reagan as their presidential candidate. There were all sorts of songs on the radio that expressed the country's discontent. One of the most famous ones was the Charlie Daniels Band song, in America, which to me was a rallying cry to bring the nation together. Believe it or not, I really was a quiet, shy kid in high school and was not confrontational. I let the comment from Brenda Cater roll right off my back as I took my seat. Miss Walton switched between English and Spanish as she gave us instructions on what the year was going to look like in her class. The bell rang at 11.25. This is where high schoolers split. The 11th and 12th graders stampeded to lunch by running out of the building straight to the cafeteria which was on the east end of the junior high school building. In junior high, I was witness to several junior high kids getting run over as the stampede started from the high school building to the cafeteria. You learned very quickly to be clear of the cafeteria and be in the safely and be safely in the confines of the junior high school building by 11:25. The ninth and tenth graders would go to homeroom, which was located in our first period classrooms. Miss Snyder greeted us as we made our way back to the same seats that we had had that morning. We were told that this was a time to work on homework and catch up on any assignments. Homeroom lasted for 30 minutes and then another stampede would start as the second group of high schoolers made their way to the cafeteria. Normally, I brought my lunch, as did Mike, Bridget, and Becky, so we meandered over to the high school cafeteria. It was interesting seeing some of my classmates' siblings at school. I had heard of them, but had never been in the same building that they were in. Tracy Gojon, Bubba's sister. Teresa Kerbowski, Belinda's sister. Tracy Graham, Stephen's brother. Tully Wilson, the fraternal twins Daryl and Doyle Wilson's brother. 
Bug Davis, the fraternal twins Jerry and Terry Davis' brother. Terry and Jerry were in the eighth grade and would be with us next year. Mike and Mark Toller, each of Michelle Toller's older brothers. Mark was in the twelfth grade with Charlotte and Mike was in the eleventh grade. Of course, there was my sister Charlotte, and this was the first time in over five years that we were in the same building. The last time was when I was in the third grade and she was in the sixth grade. After lunch, I headed to my fourth period class with Miss Marie Wright in room 108 for physical science. Like Miss Snyder and Miss Walton, there was a seating chart for us as we entered the classroom. Miss Wright's room also faced FM 2090, and this time my seat was up against the wall, totally opposite from the windows. The bell rang, and I headed back to my locker to drop off yet another book, and then head to room 115 for English 1 with Miss Backus. For the first time that day, there was no seating chart, but by the time that I got in the room, the only seats left were towards the front, which is what I preferred. At 2.25, the bell rang. I dropped off my English book at my locker and headed to my last class in room 102, World History with Mr. Kabilis. The bell rang at 3.25. I went to my locker for the last time that day, dropped off my World History book, and headed to the bus. For my freshman year, me, Becky, Mike, and Bridget all had the same subjects, but not the same schedule. Only Mike and I had the exact same schedule. After graduating from junior high in sixth place, I mentally challenged myself to shoot for the top spot in high school. Becky, Mike, and Bridget did the same, which kept all four of us on our toes and sharp. This concludes Episode 10 of The Approaching Storm by Wallace Gibbs. <laughs>